There's that great intro music. Welcome to the CT Startup Podcast, an inside perspective on the startup ecosystem in the great state of Connecticut. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Menard. I'm Eric Francis. Michael Kaufman. James McLaughlin. And we're here to talk about entrepreneurship. Uh, we have a great interview for you today. Uh, it's with a company called Happy Life and the two partners, Vishal and Oni. We'll be getting to that in a little bit. But first, I'd like to start off on just seeing what happened this week. The sun came out. Oh, wow. oh fantastic. Wow. sun came out. I'd say the guns came out, but no, <laughs> shorts, that didn't happen. But the hey, shorts did come out. This is episode number one, <laughs> yeah. and we're starting with the big stuff. Yep. Yeah. No, finally that the uh, the weather's breaking a little bit. It's getting, uh, you know, we had such a long winter. Now we can uh, finally get out and moving around, and I can start wearing shorts to uh, business meetings. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Are sandals okay <laughs> to wear to business meetings? Uh, in a podcast, they are. Yeah. Yeah. How about from the from the attorney standpoint? Is it okay to you know close deals with the, with the, you know open open toes out? <laughs> Not usually. No, I James. Hawaiian I don't know shirts. If Hawaiian shirts. Uh, only when we're doing presenting. We did a uh, we did a flight night recently for that reset puts on. It's a uh, large pitch event where uh, four times a year they in in two out of the four times a year they open it to the public. Um, where everybody can come in and just try out pitches. And we had over 100 people show up for one in March, uh, early March, that was held at uh, Connecticut Public Broadcasting in Hartford. Yep. And that was really nice. Uh, it was it was all the, uh, the companies that presented that night were all the companies that went through Reset's Accelerator program. And we have one, uh, I think it's June 14th. There's another yep. one coming up. And that's that one is open to the public. And I'm really excited to see what uh, what companies are going to be so, coming. So what's the goal? What's the goal of the the pitchers? Is it to get better feedback, how to finesse your pitch? Is it to try to raise some money, create awareness, a little bit of everything? It's probably a little bit of everything. My yeah. per, my personal goal for it is, is so anyways, the Hawaiian shirt connection is because we host in Hawaiian shirts. We're trying yeah. The goal, all the staff wears Hawaiian shirts, and the judges wear Hawaiian shirts. The goal is to try to make it much more loose, to make people feel comfortable. But what but about full, sandals? Do you wear sandals? I did not yeah. wear sandals. But, but full, it was March. Full disclosure, so Dave was actually one of the judges, and I actually uh, presented there as well, because uh, I went through the accelerator program at Reset and uh, pitched there. So when it came to, like, when we were talking about what the goal was, I mean, every person is different. Every, yeah. single, every single team was different. Um, for me personally... It was more or less just getting it out there, doing another pitch, and, and more because the the venture that I had, I'm looking for partners. It's not something that I'd do by myself. Um, I like it. I, I'm very interested in, in where it could go, but it's more or less was trying to just put it out there to get potential partners. Um, so every everybody was different, and I think that was I think that was actually one of the the criticisms from a couple people that I heard um, afterwards is that the pitches weren't you know. The, the financials weren't all there and, and mm-hmm. all the pitches and everything like that. But at the same time, I think some people went there thinking that it was going to be a full on, you know, kind of pitch for money yeah. when, when again, we, the way a lot of us went into it, it was not even, it was supposed to be that. And it, I think that should be the least of the goals. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, first of all, I, I'll point out Eric won an award at that one yeah. and <laughs> I wasn't uh, even in the room and either. It, and, it, and it wasn't <laughs> fixed. <Fist bump. laughs> it was not fixed at all. Um, he said, thank you for the check. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that he carries the award everywhere. Yeah, he goes. yeah. <laughs> He's holding it up right now. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do think that's the least of the points. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think it's very difficult for people to learn public speaking, right? Oh, it, yeah. It's taken me many years, and, and I will never claim to be a perfectionist at it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a difficult skill. It's something anybody who's running a company needs to do. And they need to be able to work on the presentations as well. And not every company needs or is seeking VC financing. So some people may be out there looking for financing, but others may just want to get awareness. So they want to be able to present their companies at industry conferences or, or related items. So for me, it's, it's giving them a comfortable environment where we're not pressuring them, but we are giving them constructive feedback. Yeah. One last question. Uh, the crowd. What's, what's the crowd like? Is it is it a young crowd, hungry entrepreneurs? Is it possible investors? Is it? It was, it was a mix. mix. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a mix because actually uh, I met a couple of people who in, are in this accelerator program um, that were there and they were just there as entrepreneur business people. Um, there were some young people from UConn there. There were some service provider people. So it, it was a good mix. And I think just some, then obviously family and friends and stuff like that. Yeah, and there were, there were some people who were, you know, who were potential investors there, but uh yeah, I, certainly I think one of the things that uh, we'll be discussing a lot over the course of, of many episodes of the podcast is that we're trying to really build the investor community in Connecticut yeah. and, and to make it more more known so that investors can go to these events and that people can be more aware of how to find investors. Yeah, and I, one of the one of the things that um, I guess I get out of these pitches, right, it's, it's like when you're talking to an investor, investor is not going to invest in your company because of the five minutes. Let's, let's be real. I mean, that's your door in to kind of talk with them and have a more sit-down conversation about it. So any investor that's like going to these events, and, and, and again, I'm talking from a person who <laughs> hasn't had investment yet and or invested in any company really, um, it, se- it seems to me it's more like, oh, wow, I like the energy. I like that person. I get it. I want to sit down more about it. So Because you're never going to know the full sc- yeah, scope I, of the of I the agree project. with you 100%. It's, you know, that first, that first interaction is totally contextual. And then it's, hey, you're interested? All right, let's have a more proprietary conversation. Dive in. You know, get to know the product. Get to know the founders more. And, you know. Yeah. I will, I will, the one, one thing, too, is that uh, I, can, I can remember it. Like, it happened just yesterday, but it happened, what, a month and a half ago. Is that I was sitting there, I was all pumped up about it. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm ready to go, ready to go. And I'm in my seat, you know, prep talking myself. And then when I got up there, I was like, <gasps> you know, like, I was like, I was like, like, I probably didn't seem like it, but I definitely, I knew in my voice, I could hear it in my own voice because I, I sounded maybe excited, but that's just like my, my nervousness coming Sweaty out. Sweaty palms <laughs> and butterflies. <laughs> so it's not easy. It's, it's, it, you, no, no. I, I will never criticize someone for for making the effort of getting up in front of speaking yeah. in front of people, no matter what hiccups they may have and. It's uh, it's it's difficult, and I think that's elevated. You know, public speaking is hard enough, but when you're when you're actually like pitching a startup, I mean, you're putting yourself out there, your idea, all your work, and just for you know either to be destroyed and criticized or praised. You know, it's a very stressful moment. Um, but it, you know, you gotta get up for you there. I was, yeah, I was. I thought it was great uh, just to just to get about a hundred people from the community in the same place at the same time. I think that's that's good for its own sake uh, beyond. You know what? What the the companies that are pitching uh, get out of it, um, and, and what the audience gets by learning about the companies. I think it's just good to, to bring people together uh, uh, in that space, and then you know, kind of facilitate a little network. Yeah, those the, the smaller room, because we've been to a couple of these, right, where they're in some of the bigger rooms, kind of like an amphitheater kind of thing. I, I kind of like the smaller atmosphere. It kind of put people a little bit closer together. Um, it's definitely an interesting space. Again, it was the first time that it was it was in that kind of condensed 
uh, kind of area um, versus the other types. I was actually very happy to see Connecticut Public Broadcasting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Space, so. Well, I didn't realize that it was a school. Yeah, was <laughs> like, I, was, I, was, I was like, uh, why are there lockers in here? Yeah, the learning lab. Yeah. 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 So. That was really good of them. So uh, I think talking all investment and everything like that, can we just talk about Slack? Yeah. <laughs> That's just unbelievable. So one of our team management software uh, <laughs> services that we use right now is called Slack. Uh, actually, Eric introduced it to us. And their valuation went up today from a $1.12 billion to $2.8 billion in six months. So, so you're saying that they, they were around before the six months, but I'm saying, yeah. it, so six months ago they were 1.12, yeah. and now they're 2. More than doubled. That's ridiculous. It's insane. Uh, but honestly, what has your experience been with it so far? I mean, we've been using it for, what, a couple of weeks now? Yeah. And yeah. we all use it for a couple of different mm-hmm. projects. I mean... Uh, now it's like my lifeline. You know, I, I want to say like my, my, so I use an iPhone and the apps on my home screen, I'm like constantly like all of them are on edge all the time. Like they have to work hard to make it to my home screen. <laughs> and Slack went from like that last page to the second app in my list in like 48 hours. So like in my mind, it's just like, holy crap, this app made it. Like if I'd invest, <laughs> let's put it like that. Yeah, if I had the money. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's all about usability mm-hmm. and uh, and ability to grab your attention. And it's funny because I, I think, uh, so out of the four of us, I, I have to frankly admit I'm the oldest person. Um, and th- and while I, while I represent a lot of tech companies, I'm very interested in technology. It's always a big, big hobby of mine. Uh, sometimes I might be the last to use it. So it's uh, Slack caught me right away. Um, I also have a slightly different perspective on it, which is it's a collaboration tool. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, law firms use a lot of collaboration software. Uh, very common. Um, there's some really big, high-end firms that make collaboration software. There's there's two major ones. Uh, one's I believe based out of the UK, and and you know so I've I've looked at those before, um, and I've been on part of the testing teams for them, and it costs a ton of money. I mean, just a ton of yeah, money. Yeah. Now, one of the things that they offer is extensive security, right? So you can have a, a you know, client-attorney relationship with a client offsite mm-hmm. and have a collaboration tool. You're working on documents together, which is great. But a lot of places can offer security these days. And yeah. what Slack offers is starts off at free. And then... Which is always nice. Free, <laughs> free 99. And then, and then it goes up and it's not terribly expensive beyond that. So it, it's... I think of it as, as potentially disruptive. I mean, as a law, law firms are a very conservative market. Um, and they, they not, but just by nature, you know, I mean, obviously uh, made up of full of very cautious people who tend to see the downside of things. Never. And, and, no. And then, and then not uh, you two. <laughs> well, when I, when I hear valuation that size, I say, wow, that's, that's a tough goal to meet. And if they don't meet that goal, it's, it turns out uh, pretty poorly for them. Yep. I mean, it, certainly, you know, have every confidence in Big valuations there can also mean lots of pressure. More money, mm-hmm. more problems. Yeah. I, I guess what I was just saying, I see a lot of opportunity for Slack. Yeah. Yes, I know. I guess we'll just jump in, huh? Yeah. Yeah, no, and this is, this is going to be another uh, good podcast. This is one that we all did, and I, I think it worked out well because, I mean, we, we, uh, we all of us had done interviews separately, and so to get us all together on, on one uh, is definitely cool. And, and Vishal actually, uh, Vishal and Oni, they kind of have an interesting uh, place, actually, in, in the starting of this, or at least Vishal did, you know, because yeah. if it wasn't Vishal, some of us wouldn't have met, and we wouldn't have yeah. almost been here, as you many of you know uh, from the first podcast. But uh, yeah, we'll just jump right into it and, 
Anybody else have to say anything about it? Or I just I'm excited. They have a great story, and I you know I'm excited for what they're doing in the state of Connecticut and right down in New Haven. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we're here at the Happiness Labs with, with everybody. Uh, we're here with Vishal Patel. Hey. And what's up? Uh, so, Vishal, if you want to kind of do an introduction to who you are um, and kind of what you're, you know, who you are in the, the startup ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, my name is Vishal Patel. I'm the founder of A Happy Life. Uh, we're a sustainable lifestyle coffee brand uh, dedicated to creating a happier world for everyone to live in. Um, and one of the ways we're trying to do that is we use 100% of our net profits um, from selling roasted coffee. Um, you know, through coffee shops, grocery stores, restaurants, offices, and through our own coffee shop, the Happiness Lab, which we're in right now, um, and using all the profits from that and sending them towards farmers to help them break out of uh, cycles of poverty, um, and particularly coffee farmers in um, developing countries like Tanzania. And are these the uh, same farmers where you get your coffee beans? Uh, not yet. Um, our long-term goal is to be sourcing directly from these farmers, um, but we have a few steps to take before we get to that point. But we, um, we work closely with all the organizations that we source our coffee from, um, and a lot of them uh, do have um, in place you know, sustainable practices that we're comfortable with. We know that they're treating um, their farmers um, appropriately and fairly. All right, I got a question. All Sustainable. Right. It's a hot word right now. <laughs> it is. What does it exactly mean, and I guess exclusively pertaining to the coffee industry? All right, well, um, you know, it's, it's hard to define sustainable, um, but for me, it's, it's, it's a lot of it is a gut feeling, you know, whether this feels right or not. Um, but it's not exclusively that. Obviously, mm-hmm. there needs to be numbers backing it. Um, you know, are my farmers getting paid um, a certain amount of money? Um, you know, we work with an organization actually started by uh, a New Haven local, uh, lives in Boston now. But uh, they work with farmers just like we do, but they source, exclusively source um, green beans. Um, and they use 100% of their profits to help those farmers. Um, so, you know, just talking to them, I got that gut feeling like these guys are honest. These guys, you know, I can, I can work with them. Um, they were totally transparent about, about their practices. Um, and sustainable, it just, you know, and it's all around too. Um, it's not just, it doesn't end with, you know, buying some really good coffee. Um, we take it all, all the way through, you know, to the, when the customer throws out their paper bag or their paper cup, all of our Stuff is compostable. Um, you know, we try and minimize waste in any way possible in all of our production processes, things like that. And when you say green beans, just for the audience, I assume you're talking about green coffee beans. Green coffee beans, so raw coffee before it's roasted. Great. And you do all your own roasting? I, we do all our own roasting in, in Wallingford, Connecticut. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, there's a, a backstory to your connection to coffee and particularly the growers uh, in Africa. Did you visited Africa, is that correct? I did, yeah. In my sophomore year of undergrad, um, I took a trip out to East Africa, and particularly Tanzania, um, in the Kilimanjaro region of, of that country. And uh, it was really just a volunteer trip. wanted to broaden my horizons, but, uh, you know, going out there really changed my life. Um, you know, fell in love with the place, the people, the culture. The food was even awesome. Um, and I just wanted to keep going back. I went back a few more times. Um, and then I graduated and uh, couldn't really, you know, I was ready to go to med school, um, but couldn't pull the trigger on it. And I decided, uh, you know, I had to keep going back and coffee was the way I was going to do that. 
And when you talk about the cycle of poverty that, that some of these farmers in Africa experience, is that something that you observed or learned about uh, while you were in East Africa? Yep. Um, it wasn't my first time observing poverty. Um, um, my family were, were Indian, um, uh, and parents were born and raised in India, and I've spent a lot of time there, lived there for about six months when I was much younger, um, experienced poverty firsthand, you know, witnessed a lot of, um, a lot of it. But, uh, you know, when going back to Tanzania, I, um, you know, really got to work with the people, you know, got to know their stories more. Um, it, they weren't just, you know, people that needed help. They were like my friends, um, you know, got to learn their stories. They have the same aspirations that all of us do. Um, they don't necessarily always have the means to, to accomplish that. And it was easy enough decision for me to, you know, dedicate my, my efforts towards, you know, helping them do the things that they want to do. How long did you uh, you go on that trip for? Uh, the first trip was three weeks. Six months later, I went on another four-week trip. And then uh, the summer after that, I uh, went for three months. Nice. So all to the same region, like back to the same? Same exact place, um, same community I was working with. Nice. Yeah. So did you So did you actually live with some of the families there, or were you? So they had a, um, a visitor's compound. Um, so fortunately, it had running electricity and water and things like that, but just outside there. Um, you know, you had people living in huts. Um, some people were fortunate to have electricity. Some others, others weren't. Um, but it was definitely a different experience from living, you know, in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, but I miss it every day. Yeah. Now, no, it kind of seems like, cause I, I went to uh, Nicaragua in my undergraduate, awesome. right? Now, did you go on this trip wanting to be changed or was it just like you saw an opportunity hey i'll go on you know yeah. study abroad you know, yeah kind of I, I i think you know it, it was a while ago but i think i did i was looking for something different um i was kind of just kind of bored uh i get i was in at boston university you know loved you know loved it but it wasn't there was something missing so i was like okay maybe i'll find it somewhere else and uh and i, I guess i did find it so, Vishal, you have this experience, this great experience. Yeah. You come back, you decide it's time to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. How does that process happen? And then where do you go? Where, how did, what did you decide to do to try to get resources and so on? Right. Um, so, my actually decision to, to start the company didn't happen for another year after I got back. Um, you know, I graduated, um, you know, with a degree in biochemistry. I actually didn't know what the word entrepreneur meant um, until about, like, 2012. Um, so, I was graduating and I was looking for a job. You know, wasn't finding anything in my field that I had studied because, one, I wasn't particularly interested in it, um, so I wasn't so super uh, aggressive about it. Um, I ended up finding a job at a nonprofit who worked with young entrepreneurs, got introduced to the process, and the great thing about them, they were working with young entrepreneurs trying to help them get access to market so that they could scale their businesses. And in particular, um, you know, they were working with retail entrepreneurs and we were working with Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started, you know, learning about all, all these crazy businesses doing great things, um, you know, to change the world through through business, which it had something I had, had never occurred to me. Um, you know, business was sort of like this kind of evil thing, um, you know, money's bad, uh, <laughs> sort of, you know, incorrect view I had. Um, but, you know, through this organization, I was, I was uh, you know, doing a lot of work. We worked with Entrepreneurs in America. And, you know, one of my trips, actually, we were trying to expand the program out to Nigeria um, in West Africa. And while I was there, the whole um, program ended up kind of being a failure uh, because we realized that the Nigerian market wasn't ready to support their own entrepreneurs. Um, and then that's when it occurred to me that we needed to create a market for African entrepreneurs and hopefully other entrepreneurs throughout the world, um, you know, 
using, you know, creating demand for it here in America. Um, and then out of that sort of realization, a happy life was born. You know, my first natural instinct was to go towards coffee because I had worked with coffee farmers in East Africa. And uh, after that, it was just a lot of uh, a lot of Google, a lot of YouTube, learning how to roast coffee, <laughs> figuring out how to, I actually never wrote a business plan, but figuring out how to, you know, run a business, you know, start an LLC, things like that. Yeah, that's the fun process. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was in the same boat. You know, when yeah. I was when I was raising money, it was you know, send me over a business plan. I literally Googled what is a business plan. But you know, I think just like you did, uh, it's the best way to learn. You just have to dive in. So you know, right now you're working with with these these coffee farmers who are in the cycle of poverty. What's next? You know, obviously there's that situation isn't just uh, unique to the coffee farmers yeah. down in Africa. You know. Is this going to carry through? Is Happiness Labs going to carry through uh, with other with other products uh, carrying on the same mission? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the future of a happy life um, could definitely be incorporating you know different products grown in um, in rural countries, um, particularly underserved rural countries. Um, you know, tea is another big uh, export from Tanzania that we could we could run into. Um, you know, I actually have family in the tea industry in India too, um, making fantastic teas. Um, yeah, the goal, whole goal is, you know, we create a lifestyle brand. Really, um, we, we can really put our name on any sort of product. And, you know, our goal is to make it, every time somebody buys our product, it's making the world a better place. Um, you know, whether it's for farmers, it's for the, their, our local community. Um, that's our goal. So back in October of last year, October 2014, Connecticut became one of 28 states now that have adopted legislation allowing for benefit corporations. Absolutely. Uh, and Happy Life Inc., your company, was was one of the first became a benefit corporation on the first day it was available. Uh, and you're somewhat of a, a leader in uh, the entrepreneur field in Connecticut uh, advocating social enterprise. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of social enterprise as it relates to your, your company, but also uh, where you think social enterprise is important uh, in Connecticut and, and, and in changing the way that, that people do business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for us, we've been a social enterprise, you know, from the very beginning. Um, you know, didn't need a, that certification or, or for us to be a benefit corporation for us to be so. Um, but being a benefit corporation kind of included us in this sort of uh, countrywide movement um, of social enterprise, you know, joining how many of our other benefit corporations that exist um, in the other 28 states, as well as B Corps um, that have been certified uh, as such. You know, one of the things that makes a benefit corporation different than a standard corporation is that baked into uh, the statutory framework for a benefit corporation is, is a duty to pursue a, a general social benefit, uh, to, to create something uh, that benefits society or the environment in addition to uh, considerations about maximizing value or shareholder value. Uh, and you know, do you think that reflects a, a big shift um, and in the way that people do business in Connecticut. Do you think that benefit corporations are something, it's a response to a demand, or is it a new idea that's going to take a while to bring people around to a different way of doing business? I think it's really a response to a demand. Um, you know, I've read countless articles about, um, you know, my generation, Generation Y, or the millennial yeah, whatever, generation. whatever generation Whatever we're generation we are. <laughs> um, you know, really, you know, wanting to, to prioritize social change and how we like to vote with our dollars and, um, and things like that. And, 
you know, in particular, like we were talking about Connecticut being the land of, of steady habits, you know, we don't always have that option. You know, I, I live in Wallingford, um, trying to find a sustainable cup of coffee um, isn't the easiest thing. And, um, and and that goes for a lot of Connecticut, sadly. But, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of people trying to make efforts, um, you know, and, and make um, serious change, um, which is exciting to see in Connecticut. Yeah, and I think when you were talking about the, uh, the kind of... Um it's the demand of it. I think when it comes to our generation, the younger generation is that we 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 want to have more purpose to our jobs or to our, right. our careers. But at the same time, I mean, for me, I went to school for business. I mean, when I was since I was younger, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, all that right. kind of stuff. Um, and it's one thing where I like the whole nonprofit, like the, the idea of a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But running a nonprofit to me is is just like draining because you can't you, you can only ask for money. You can't provide a service. Right. You can't you know it's kind of one of those things where right. your your hands are kind of tied to to what you can actually do. Right. Um. And you're and it's it's almost like a in, in a relationship, right? When you a customer in a business nonprofit, it, it's a relationship, right? right? And almost in a nonprofit, like you're always taking. Right, you're right. taking. You can't give back. Oh, see, I can use my hands. Right, just, just going. Um, Every now and then, but, we like to punch the mics. Yeah, it's just we get but, really put them in their place. Yeah, yeah exactly. Podcasts are stressful. <laughs> but it, but it's like one of those things, right? It's yeah. like it's 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 always take 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 take, and right. I can't give. And you give back, but then right. it's also one of those things where you even in our generation, we we um you give to the, these big nonprofits, and then yeah. you say, well. 80%, 80 cents out of the dollar that you give to them goes to their administration, their administration fees. fees. Yeah. Whereas if you were a business, if you were giving away 20% of your profits, people were like, oh my God, you guys are fantastic. Right. You know? So yeah. it's, it's like, one I of mean, those... it's, you know, like a regular corporation, you know, the money's kind of going one way and nonprofit money's going the other way. But in the social enterprise, it's kind of going back and forth, it goes to the community, the community's also supporting it. And it, really just you know it's it's a sustainable business model well it's, it's certainly a great marketing tool i know for myself uh when i found out when i was learning more about b corporations when the statute was coming up and uh for a vote and you know i heard about say, king arthur flower which is a b corp up in vermont and they uh you know they give a lot back to their employees and they hire employees who come from bad situations that other people might normally hire mm-hmm. and a lot of good things. And then when I find myself walking through the aisle, now I don't buy flour all that often, but when I do, I, I did. I saw, you know, there's gold medal, there's King Arthur, there's right. whatever. And I found myself, oh, I got to buy King Arthur. And I didn't right. even look at the price. I just said King Arthur because right. I know that they're doing something right. and and something good. And and it just, it just makes you want to support it. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, that's sort of like the kind of double-edged sword with social enterprise. Um, you know, it can be a great marketing tool, um, but I think people who do it don't do it as a marketing tool. It just, that's sort yeah. of like the added benefit. But those who do it for, as a marketing tool, you know, it's not a genuine um, social enterprise or it, it may not necessarily be, and you might be diluting, um, you know, eventually your customers will catch up, catch on that this is not authentic or something. Like that. It's interesting. I, I I agree with you in the, in the sense that yes, the people you know people shouldn't do it just to make it as a marketing tool. They need right. to provide a real social benefit. Right. But if you don't, but you have to market it. You do because because it's you know it's what allows me the customer to know what's going on right. and to pick you over yeah. Starbucks. Exactly. Yeah, right. and make an informed decision. That's that's what it's all about. That's great. And why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, so um, Mike uh, 
Well, we could have wanted to ask a question earlier about why Connecticut. <laughs> and and for all those at home, we edited that out because we don't like let Mike ask questions. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and so why don't you tell us why you came to Connecticut? And and also where you decided to go, like what you had for resources. What who here in Connecticut helped you become a good entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, so Connecticut because uh, it's my home state. Um, born and raised in Wallingford. Um, when I finished my stint with the nonprofit that was working with the entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I was ready to start this business and I needed to save money. So moved in with mom and dad, mm-hmm. um, you know, got a job, worked in New Britain for about um, two years and saved up every penny I could um, while sort of kind of slowly building the business, learning about roasting, um, you know, building on the website and kind of starting initial like customer feedback and stuff like that. And, um, and that was really helpful. But uh, what really helped uh, kind of kind of push me into high gear um, was working with Reset up in Hartford. Um, you know, they are a co-working space, um, particularly geared for social enterprises, and they have a um, accelerated program, which I know Eric's been through, yep. um, that helps, um, you know, startup businesses establish sustainable business models, kind of help them figure out who their customers are, um, you know, and connect with a lot of other like-minded individuals, which has been really useful because that's where I met my business partner, Oni, um, and at the end of that program, we decided we're going to go, you know, full speed ahead. Me and Oni quit our full-time jobs, and uh, in, in February of 2013, we started, uh, right, February 2014, um, started, yeah. started running uh, a happy life full-time. Yeah, because you, pit, you pitched in, what, it was like November or yeah, December, November, right, December, the, the flight or, night? Yeah. Yep. Okay. yeah. And now at that point, when you say you're running Happy Late full-time, you're doing coffee deliveries and coffee service and also selling yeah. roasted beans. Yeah, we started, um, you know, at farmer's markets. Um, then we you know, started with, at a shop right in Canton, Connecticut, um, you know, through a distributor we got in there. And then just started, you know, knocking on as many doors as we possibly could to get our product um, spread throughout the state and... Um, distributed and now you have a physical storefront the happiness lab yeah and that's connected with the grove how did that happen so that we joined the grove in uh, april or may of of last year and you know it was just a great environment to be a part of you know i remember on the first day it was actually we came down here um for an event that david was hosting and you know we provided coffee got to know you know a lot of the people working in here and immediately got introduced to um, somebody across the street, which is Um City Market. You know, it's a grocery store in New Haven. Got our product on the shelf there, literally from day one. And then I think a few days later, got introduced to a coffee shop a couple blocks down, um, and got our coffee in there. So it was just like New Haven had that feel. They were ready for our product. They were ready for our mission. Um, and we started spending a lot more time here in New Haven. in In the in the summertime, we kind of got this idea. Hey, we're doing great. You know, one thing about our mission was, you know, we are also, our customers are helping support the farmers. We want to give something back to customers. And and through our brand, it, um, we decided it was going to be this sort of aspiration for happiness is that that's what we're going to build into our brand. You know, every time somebody picked it up, it would kind of be an inspiration, um, you know, to make happiness a priority in your life. And we, we were getting that um, to a degree, but... We didn't feel like we we're getting authentic experiences out of our customers and giving them, you know, what we really wanted to give them. Um, and so we decided, you know, a, a physical place where people could literally experiment with happiness, and you know, you know, whether it's through meditation, yoga, you know, live music, um, different types of talks, um, things like what we're doing here today. Um, you know, that could be something that that could take our 
our mission for happiness to the next level. And, um, and a few months later, Slate, the owner of the Grove, um, came to me. You know, he heard about this idea and he wanted to create it. You know, he's very community centric, loves to create, um, you know, organizations that are going to help enrich the community. Um, so it was a natural fit. And they were expanding um, to the building next door, which is the building we're in now. And uh, he approached me and uh, asked me if we'd be interested in moving into the ground floor. And of course, I said yes. It was a perfect fit. That's great. And you built this place out, and we're in the middle of a soft launch now. Your official mm-hmm. opening is May 1st. May 1st, that's correct. And um, you're going to have a grand opening on that day, a big party, yeah, I imagine. Party starts at 8. Um, we'll probably have a ribbon cutting sometime during the day. We haven't finalized the details about that yet. But uh, party starts at 8 p.m. Having beer donated from a number of brewers. I uh, won't mention any names yet. Yeah, we'll all be here. Finalized. We'll yeah. all be here. But, uh, <laughs> you say beer, and we are here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, well, we appreciate the fact that you're about coffee. That doesn't really matter. We're coming for the brewers. Well, we That's just the... got word from one of our brewers. They want to create a, a special coffee stout for that Ooh, night nice. using our coffee. So, nice. um, awesome. so that we can look forward to that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Um, this is your first venture. This is your first startup. Uh, mm-hmm. and as you know, or you're learning now, entrepreneurship isn't all rainbows and, and daisies. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of struggles and, Absolutely. you know, through the process, you have to celebrate the small victories cause they're, you know, they're, they're few and far between. Absolutely. Um, so what has been some of the biggest struggles getting to this point you are at now? Um, you know, a lot of the struggles, um, has has been you know financing the the mm-hmm. whole the whole project. Luckily, you know we've we've gotten money when we've needed it. Um, now we're at a point where um, you know we have money coming in, which is great. But we still need to do a lot more work, a lot more marketing to get to the point where we need to be. Um, but it's all trending upwards, which has been great. But it's uh, it's the thing that keeps you up at night. It's like how am I gonna pay next month's rent? How am I gonna you know what money can I move around to make it happen? Um, and it takes a lot of creativity, a lot of being honest about yourself, what you need, what you don't need, um, and then asking for help when you need it. Mm-hmm. Now, you did a Kickstarter campaign. We did, yeah. And how was that process? That process was pretty stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it takes a lot of preparation to get there. We had a 35-day campaign. Um, literally was glued to my phone, just seeing, you know, checking for as many updates as possible. Um but, you know, it, it takes a lot of hustle. It's just basically getting out, asking as many people as you can, not being shy. I hate asking for money, but, you know, I had to kind of mm-hmm. put my ego to the side mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just get out there, um, be honest, uh, you know, with the people that are going to be supporting us, you know, sharing our story as much as possible. So now the entrepreneurs that, that are listening to this will want to know exactly kind of how you did the campaign. Did you do it yourself and manage it yourself or did you use a PR company or? Well, we had some help. We had uh, help from a group called Raygun 5. They are um, a group of three entrepreneurs who work upstairs, um, you know, in, in digital media um, and in, in copyright and, mm-hmm. you know, video production as well. Um, and that group, you know, came together to help support us, um, you know, because... You know, this, this was something that they were excited about. Uh, this is something that they helped us do. And uh, they specialize in, in making successful Kickstarter campaigns. And uh, we were one of them. Great. And, and did you, so before you launched the Kickstarter campaign, did you have to sort of build out your audience or your market, start doing interviews or getting mm-hmm. word out there? Yeah. Um, you know, we started talking about it. So our campaign was in November. I think we decided at some point we're going to do a campaign, like maybe in June or July. And we told we just even in just casual conversation like oh we're gonna have a kickstarter mm-hmm. coming up not really sure when but you know keep an eye out for it um and 
we've always ever, ever since day one we've been you know collecting email addresses from demos that we do tastings things like that um so we had a, an email list of about 1500 people you know by the time we we launched our kickstarter so that was a big blast and that helped us you know stay in touch with customers that uh you know have been buying our coffee since since day one great so how many how many supporters did you ultimately have i think we had about 215 oh great yeah terrific did yeah. you did you did you hit it? You 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 only hit it like within the last week, right? Or the within last the last week, yep. okay. yeah. And we we went over um, our goal was over fifteen thousand, and we got about sixteen thousand. Nice. So is the trick sometimes to kind of lower your standards, so to speak, of how much money you can raise, so you know you, you have that cushion just in case you right? Yeah. Um, well, actually, we actually ended up raising it because originally we were set our goal to ten, mm-hmm. um, even though we didn't need more. Um, but, you know, one of the things that uh, the guys upstairs said is like, you know, if you can't do this project for less than that, you should you shouldn't, you know, put it on there um, and you and you should be working to get that full amount. Um, otherwise, you're going to regret it. And, you know, sort of like once you hit it, you know, people is sort of like that, that psychology factor is like people could do it because now it's successful or they couldn't because they could say, oh, they're all set. They don't need any more. Um, so we actually ended up going higher. Um it's one of those things when it, when it is successful, more people tend to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's validation. That right. It, yeah. Exactly. And um, and when you're talking about don't the, want to miss out. Yeah. When you're talking about the guys upstairs, you mean the guys upstairs where we're sitting at at the Grove, not any type of deity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Not any type of deity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Went right over my head. Yeah. So so what about tell us a little bit about Connecticut. One thing I'm always interested in with Connecticut entrepreneurs is what what was great about Connecticut that helped support you here? And what was bad about Connecticut? Or at least unhelpful? What's been great about Connecticut is it's a sort of like tight-knit community of entrepreneurs that exist here. Um, you know, in New Haven, it's great. Um, it's really um, a city with a, a small-town feel. Um, so you, you basically know ev- almost everybody, um, even though you actually don't, but it feels like you do. You, <laughs> you see everybody, you know, they're supportive of you. They talk about you, you know, uh, you know, whenever you're not around and are really supportive of, of local businesses, which has been great. And even Connecticut as a whole, um, you know, meeting Eric, Mike, you guys, um, you know, we're all from different towns, but we, we find a way to get together and, um, you know, go out of our way to, to stay in touch and keep supporting each other, which is awesome. Um, what's not so great um, is a lot of, uh, I guess, mind changing that needs to happen. Um, can't tell you how many times we set up in, in stores and, you know, we give our pitch and you know, we're about happiness. Oh, who cares about that? You know, um, or, you know, we use 100 percent of our net profits to help uh, to help farmers. You know, like, oh, how are you making money? And, you know, we explain but they're like, oh, that's not, you know, that's not how you do business. Um, is what we get a lot. And these are uh, some miserable people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's happiness. I just like, I, and you know, we've, we've done demos in Boston and New York too before. And it, it's not such a, it's not as bad of a, a struggle, um, over there that I found, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, dynamic that well, it's interesting. the entrepreneur community here is really developing it and is. and like you said it's very tight-knit and people outside of it that we're, all the entrepreneurs are trying to bring in as customers and and investors and so on Absolutely. um you know are still 
sort of on the fence. But I know that one of the things you're doing is trying to work with other food-based businesses. Right. And and trying to not only build your own company but help theirs as well so right. that there's a so that there's a segment of of social benefit entrepreneurism in this area. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in that spirit of, you know, helping each other out being um, you know, this really supportive community, we we're really open to working with anybody who wants to work in our space. Um, you know, whether it's for an event or in particular, if you're a food entrepreneur, um, we'd love to give you a shot. You know, give you some shelf space in our in our coffee shop. Um, you know, try out your product, see how it incorporates into, you know, be, basically be a, a, a testing site for for startup entrepreneurs in the food scene. It's kind of funny you talk about uh, kind of changing the minds, is because yeah. so obviously I've been around Reset for a while. You know, we we met through Reset, right? And um, one of the things that I t- you know when I'm talking to friends or I mean I'm the type of person that I'm always pitching a business plan right sure. or a business plan yeah. business idea right. and to some people I'm like well set it up as a benefit group like a benefit group and so right. you have to like explain this whole thing exactly and they're still just like hold on why would you do that right. like I don't understand and then and then almost at the end of it I'm just like it's a marketing ploy yeah. you know so they're like oh okay I get it like <laughs> it's a way to give now I see it and, right. oh so we do it because it's a marketing thing right. to get more and, and it's like a lot of people that's kind of what they think when it comes sure. to business is that yeah. Oh, you're just doing it to get more business, but it's it's more of like a um, a mentality. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. almost like a mentality instead of just a little little quick little thing that you put on your website to say, yeah, we're a benefit corp. Right. No, but, it really is all about that mentality, having that you know kind of ingrained into our culture. Um, we have a lot of ways to go. With yeah. That. <laughs> I mean, the good part is there's some accountability, which is I know right. there's at least an annual report that's yeah. due there to put up. And, and again, if it's done right, that is also a marketing tool. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. <laughs> but it's uh, nice to actually you know. If you do a little bit of research, you can figure out whether these companies are really providing something or not. Yeah, no, like like you said at the beginning, you know, it, it, there is a tactic there for marketing, but only to a certain degree. Because right. if you push it too hard, then it loses all of its authenticity, right. and right. you know, it actually yeah. hinders. You. I mean, you know, we I, th- I think we have a great mission, um, but you know, we are sticklers for product quality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't roast you know subpar coffee. We don't, uh, you know, sub serve subpar food in our cafe. Um, you know, quality is everything, and that still matters, even regardless of how great the mission is. If you could pass on um, one thought to the other entrepreneurs in Connecticut, what would it be? Um, just listen. You know, you know, you come across hundreds of problems every day. Um, you know, find the one that you're passionate about. Uh, you're passionate enough about to solve. Um, you know, stay tuned um, to what's happening in your community, and um, and, and you'll find the the right solution, uh, right problem to solve, and um, create a successful business here in Connecticut. So, when you mean passionate, you mean actually, even when things are looking down, you're willing to go forward, right? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. when things are, and when you, when you, when when the money's tight, you're still like, right. I'm still doing, it. I'm still going to spend that right. money. I, I I can't imagine like how people put themselves through this whole process if they're not passionate about it, like you know. You know, I see people, you know, starting rather lackluster businesses just because, um, you know, it has a great market opportunity and, you know, high potential for profit. Um, but going through all this, like, up, up and down, um, I can't imagine I would I would do it just for the money. Well, I mean, entrepreneurship <laughs> is cool right now. Right. Like, it's, it's, like, yeah. it's like a hip, tr- it's like yeah. a hip trend. It's when really you say like you're an entrepreneur, style. it is. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's... Um, Gary Vaynerchuk says yeah. it well. After that first punch in the face, you know it's really going to dictate whether you're a true entrepreneur. Exactly. Um, you know it's 
after my first failure, it was like, holy crap, I don't yeah. want to do this again. And then immediately it was like, wait, I got another idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do that. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, it's uh, as Gary Vee says, yeah. I could get punched in the face 25,000 yeah. times, right. but it won't stop. You know, so, entrepreneurship is a disease at the uh, end of the day. It's a, it's a really mental illness. Yeah. 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 That's the problem. I, what I'm trying to say is we really need help. We, get, <laughs> we need health care. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what we need. Um, <laughs> it might be in the DSM-5 right now. Entrepreneurship. You've got a bad case. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea for a startup. Yeah. <laughs> startup healthcare. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Vishal, we're going to talk to your partner Oni for a little bit. All right. But yeah. uh, before we do that, uh, perhaps you could give the listeners your the address and uh, your hours and let yeah. them know about we're that. At, uh, we're at we're at seven fifty six Chapel Street in downtown New Haven. Um, we are open Monday through Friday, uh, seven to seven, and on the weekend, eight to six. Hopefully, expanding those hours as we uh, as we expand. They they do great coffee. They have excellent pastries and sandwiches here. Yeah, all of the above. And uh, you also still sell roasted coffee. We do sell roasted coffee. Yeah, you can find it in grocery stores, basically between Hartford and New Haven, um, and uh, of course in our coffee shop as well. Fantastic. And then Twitter, Twitter, Facebook. Where, where else we're can we see? Twitter. You? We're at Happy Life Coffee. And if you search Facebook, a Happy Life, usually we'll find you. Um, we'll, you'll find us. Um, and you can also find us at Happiness Lab at the Grove. Yeah. No, actually, you're right. Facebook will find you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you are right. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I was thinking if you could find your customers before they find you, right. that's pretty amazing and that's a little bit scary. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vishal will be a panelist on a symposium on social enterprise that's being conducted by the Yukon Business School on uh, April 24th. Nice. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. See so that's there, what, next Friday, right? Yeah, and if, here, if you're yeah. listening, uh, it's in the past already. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you missed it. That was, <laughs> that was the best announcement ever. <laughs> so when you get that that uh, time machine, you can go back in time. Yeah, that's right. And you, go to, you missed an awesome speech. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Mm. So now, now you now you handed over uh, operation to Vishal, right? Because so, you guys are actually running a business right now. We're interrupting that. <laughs> we're trying to. I don't know. So uh, Oni, I don't know if you uh, just kind of wanted to go and introduce yourself, um, who you are, and uh, you know what role you play with Happy Life. Uh, yeah, sure. So my name is Onieko Biacha. Uh, I go by Oni, and I'm the president and COO of a Happy Life. Um, I'm sure you guys know what that is by now, but for those of you who are just tuning in, can I say that right now? Tuning in is fine. <laughs> um, we're a coffee roasting company and social enterprise based out of Longford, Connecticut, um, and we just aim to make the world a happier place. Yeah. There's no better goal than that. I, yeah, yeah. I don't even have any questions to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're done now. <laughs> so so uh, tell us a little bit about, because uh, you know, Vishal told us uh, how you, um, you, know, you were in the accelerator program and... You know, in 2014, you guys uh, went, went full time, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, quit the day jobs, quit the uh, the lifeline and went full time. Tell us a little bit about how you and Vishal actually connected and um, everything like that. Yeah. So I met him at Reset um, during a social enterprise um, incubator. Um, at that time, I was with a different company working on their corporate social responsibility program, kind of building out a lot of stuff in health and wellness. Um, I kind of connected with him. He told me about this crazy company called Happy Life. But this coffee, I was like, that's ridiculous. You have Starbucks. You have have Starbucks. You have Dunkin' Donuts. This is before I even know about like Stumptown, Blue Bottle, and stuff like that. So I was like, why would you like want to create a coffee company? Like, there's like, I understand it's the second highest trade combined in the world, but with that comes a lot of competition. And he pretty much tried to explain to me, like, 
coffee was just a vehicle um, for the happiness and for the um, the good things that he wanted to do with the company. So essentially going back and forth, I realized that he just wanted to use coffee and maybe teas in the future and other things to create what's going to be a model for how a 21st century business should operate, right? So sustainability, um, great people, great to the planet, um, and just great all around in terms of what we can do as a social enterprise. So it's like, sure, whatever, quit my job in November, um, and then went on with him. Nice. So, so tell us how you even got to the, that accelerator. I mean, are you, you're from Connecticut or what? Or? Yeah, so born and raised in Windsor, Connecticut. Shout out to the Warriors, uh, class 2008. <laughs> um, <laughs> Went to the University of Connecticut. Um, shout out to the Huskies, just got that ring. Thank you, ladies. Um, <laughs> after that, really, I just traveled. Um, during my time at UConn, I was really thinking like, okay, well, there's really um, nothing for me. You know, at that time, I was just, uh, I started off as an accounting major, then went to econ. And I was like, this stuff is so boring. And then, <laughs> to say, that's really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> like, this stuff like, just so many numbers. I'm like, oh, God. So then... Um, later, I took a, a non-Western political science course. Um, I learned a lot more about the way the world worked outside of the economy, right? So the, just the ones and zeros of it. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. There's a lot of stuff I don't agree with going on. Too bad I just have to work for a nonprofit and I can't make any money helping, you know? Um, then I did a little bit of research. I learned about social enterprise or just the concept of it. Um, after that, I took some time and went out to South Africa uh, with a group called Social Entrepreneur Corps, and I spent a month there um, just really trying to, like, a needs analysis um, in Cape Town and the surrounding townships, um, and that I fell in love with, like, the people, the place, and just the idea of social enterprise and kind of pushing it as more of a business than just going there, you know, just making it rain on, you know, chari charitable donations and stuff like that. I just didn't see the, the, the sustainability behind that. So I came back, I traveled a lot. Um, I went to, you know, Montreal, did some hitchhiking around the United States. Um, then I got a job in Hartford um, at an organization. That's where I started building the social um, entrepreneur or the social co-responsibility program. And then that's how I met Vishal. So it's been like a windy road to get here. So hitchhiking is still legal? Don't worry, nobody's listening. <laughs> it's, it's funny, actually. I Statute just, of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I, uh, my family drove, my cousins were driving to Hilton at South Carolina, so I was like, I'll come with you guys. And I swear to God, before I got in the car, I saw the, the trailer for Craigslist Joe about mm. a guy who goes, yep. like, I don't know, from... East Coast to West Coast, living off Craigslist. So I was like, oh, I can do that, whatever. <laughs> so then I get to Hilton Head. I hop on Craigslist. I see some guy going from Hilton Head to Atlanta for a fish concert. I was like, this is my first ride. Let's just make it happen. Um, and then I just somehow found my way back to Connecticut. I got to know. How was that ride? It was interesting. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So... Now, what, how do you and uh, Vishal split the responsibilities here at Happy Life? Um, Vishal's like just a business mind. I mean, he, he sees, I mean, it's like sometimes when I'm talking to him about the roasting, because um, he does all the roasting himself and like a lot of logistics behind it. It's like when at the end of the first Matrix, when Neo saw like the numbers coming by, like that's like that's how that's how he sees a happy life. <laughs> um, so it's amazing working with him. That aspect, he definitely knows his stuff. He's definitely committed to it. And at the end of the day, he's just a builder. 
Um, so anytime like I can be up there making coffee and stuff like that, I know when he's behind his laptop, he's productive. Um, and for me, I'm more the person kind of like, you know, the like spreading the word, you know, the ambassador and try to help the overall movement um, of a happy life and really just trying to explain a lot of different things we do and how we do it. Um, I think I, I kind of try to use that to my strength. So, you know, you guys are in an infancy stage right now uh, and like many startups, marketing dollars are tight or non-existent. So what's been your process for spreading the word around uh, Connecticut and, and elsewhere? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, man, just try to be as creative as possible um, with the social media campaigns. I mean, we try to be, the way I look at it, I think digital media, um, there's a lot of people doing a lot on it. Um, and I think that's a lot of ways great, but in kind of weird way, I think that's great because a lot of people have access to it, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or whatever. But a lot of people are, to be quite honest with you, going, um, like throwing together like half-assed social media campaigns, you know, and just like reposting different things. So I try to be as original as possible with creating content um, and kind of putting it into the world in a in a creative way. Uh, so the first the first big one we did was What Makes You Happy? So it's like a Humans of New York, but we went around and had a local photographer um, just take pictures of people and ask them what made them happy. And we had a campaign and people took pictures of themselves and sent it in with them, makes them happy and they got to um, win a free bag of coffee. So stuff like that, we try to make as interactive as possible. With I, our I assume that was a PG base. campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but it was great. Any way we can have a, like a genuine way to interact with our audience, especially right now, our core believers. I mean, I, I try to jump at every opportunity to do that, and that's through social media and digital media for me. You call Vishal a builder, and I, I actually think that's pretty funny because one of the things that, uh, you know, entrepreneurs make sacrifices all the time. And like you said, you, you came on here in November, I, and I know that there really wasn't much money being generated in November. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and when this space here, the Happiness Lab, was being built out, there was only enough money basically to get the carpenters to empty the space. Yeah. And then I came in here one day to see how things were going. And Vishal was personally doing the carpentry and yeah. built the main bar and yeah, some yeah. of the and, and things that go on the walls and was doing all this himself. And I asked him about his carpentry experience. He said, no, I've never done this before. Yeah. yeah. And, and talk about entrepreneurs willing to go to great lengths to do things. Man, I mean, getting this place together, it's incredible. I mean, I, I tell people it's funny because... Um, at the beginning, there wasn't a lot of happiness in this place, man. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, every square inch of this floor was me, Vishal, um, our friend Brian, and uh, Brad. And we put together, like, the, the whole entire floor, all 2,000 square feet. <clears throat> Vishal did all the tiling. I did, like, all the, the cove basing around the area. I mean, it was just, like, blood, sweat, and just more blood getting out of here, man, for, like, the first couple weeks. Um, but it's funny because, you know... I was I was at a state where I was like, okay, well, you know what, we can try to like finagle this, call up this person, and then you know Vishal just like bought a saw and he was like, okay, got three thousand square feet of bamboo, um, let's put it together. I was like, oh, okay, like, and we were just in the corner with a YouTube video, like just you know messing it up, and then you know we finally got in and start going. So he definitely like went. I mean, he just goes forward at like a breakneck speed, and usually I'm just kind of like behind him trying to like put everything in order but he definitely like pushed it along it pretty fast and it's it's been it's been great it's been great it worked out very well what a fantastic thing so, so with uh and now i'm losing all my questions well, i want to so this is actually bamboo yeah yeah front. yeah yeah that's bamboo um we have bamboo we have the tables in the front reworks collective that's old pine that came down to madison 
we have a hickory tree, the standing bar that that, that all came down Hurricane Sandy. So we we try to be um, try to put this together with the most intent as possible, mm-hmm. you know, with like the shade of blue, um, the chalkboard and stuff like that. Like we wanted to, we wanted to make it feel like a happy place, you know, and be sustainable in the process. Yeah, exactly. This all goes back to the sustainability we talked about. Yeah. And the, the place looks fantastic. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And and you guys, so you guys, after now that you're opening and you actually, you must be smiling every day. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, the other day I was here. Um, and some guy just sat in the corner drinking some tea, and you know, I was at the, you know, where I always work at the standing bar, and he was like, "You work?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I work here." He's like, "You know, I just want to thank you so much for creating this space," and stuff like that. I was like, "Wow, you know, this is a physical space where this man like genuinely feels comfortable and he can do work and be productive in it." And you know, I was a major factor in getting factor in getting it off the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's like stuff like that. It's like, wow, you know, I'm almost there. Yeah, and speaking thing. speaking about validation, I mean, uh, a happy life. You and you and Vishal were chosen to receive a social enterprise award uh, last fall. So, so how 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 validating was that, and how important are are, are experiences like that uh, to it to an early stage entrepreneur? I mean, it's funny. We, I mean, we love that stuff. It was an honorable mention, by the way. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I'd let you just. <laughs> It's funny because I mean we love that stuff. Um, it's definitely it's definitely nice to know that people appreciate what we're doing. Um, we have really yet to win a big one, um, but it's it's the steps where even the process of applying for that it forces us to articulate what we do every day, um, and that in itself is, has been huge. But I mean, reset has been good to us, and a lot of these organizations have to have as well. Oni, it's fantastic to have you in here and talking to us. Uh, if you could pass one thing on to all the other entrepreneurs in Connecticut. And you have as much time as you want to think about this, as long as it's no longer than about one or two seconds. <laughs> and just put it out there. Um, man, I would say just like you, the first thing is just to surround yourself with people who are doing incredible things that you respect. Um, I think if it wasn't for, you know, my initial conversation with Michelle and that recent and just being around the entrepreneurial um, ecosystem, I couldn't be here talking about this with you guys today. So, I mean, even if you're, you know, as crazy as or as ridiculous as you think your idea is, I mean, and even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, and, but you kind of have an idea, you have to surround yourself with those people because, I mean, that's really how you get to the next level and improve because you'll see some people working a lot harder than you, um, but also some people who you know are working hard but not as smart and you can kind of trade ideas off of. So it's just a great experience. I, I got to say that uh, I think Oni has a great, you know, radio voice. I think you do. <laughs> and I think you do too. and uh, if you want to replace any one of us, it's probably fair. Hey, so. I, I would love to be a special guest one of these days. Man. Also, Stand if uh, any of our listeners need any carpentry work done, <laughs> uh, you, can, you can reach out to Michelle or Oni. I mean, for free apple juice, you have me here every week. Guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks it a lot. It works, man. right? It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great stuff. Great. All right. We're all set. Thanks, guys. Excellent. Oh, thank you, man. That was great. Welcome back from the interview with Vishal and Oni. Hope you enjoyed it. James, you want to start us off? Sure, yeah. I thought it was really interesting that Vishal and Oni are uh, some of the first uh, social entrepreneurs to form a benefit corporation in Connecticut. They, uh, their company, uh, as you could tell when they were talking about it, uh, their mission is, is is different than I think what traditional companies uh, are pursuing. And I think that's kind of a, a trend that we see in Connecticut and, and just generally with 
with people uh, in the millennial generation, um, you know, working for companies that have to provide more for them uh, than just compensation or a job. Uh, you know, they want their employer to be someone who is actively pursuing a, a benefit or some kind of larger social goal outside of just conducting a business. Uh, and I think it's, 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 it's refreshing and it's interesting to see how, uh, you know, they're, they're reframing uh, the idea of, of what success is. It's not necessarily just wealth or prestige or position, uh, but, it, but it's also uh, finding fulfillment and finding, you know, meaning in addition to that. And I think that's a, a really interesting uh, aspect and, and, and one that they seem to be really content with uh, going forward in, in, in creating Happiness Lab mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and Happy Life Inc. Actually, I think that's a great uh, sort of a great summary of where Kinetics is going, right? Where there, there's certainly an effort uh, by people like Kate Emery from the Walker Group and, and the founder of Reset um, to establish Connecticut as a social enterprise state. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting because really not not many, I mean, there's only, uh, I believe it's 28 states that have a benefit corporation yep. statute. Uh, Connecticut is unique. It has a legacy provision that can allow the company to re- force it to be a benefit corporation for as long as it's in existence, uh, long beyond the original founder leaving. And uh, Connecticut's taking unique steps in this area. And it really could be a driver as a place where Connecticut is specifically known that's different than any other state that's out there. Well, I think it goes back to the conversations we've had earlier where Connecticut still has a clean slate in terms of entrepreneurship. So, you know, we're kind of we're kind of figuring out what we can foster the best. Uh, you know, like Eric said, it's not about uh, tech tech companies all the time, you know, and, and Vishal and Oni are showing us that. And it's really pushing Connecticut into a whole new area. Um, you know, it's exciting stuff to see. And I'm excited to see what happens next. You know, they're starting off with coffee, but what comes next? You know, how do they carry on kind of that mission throughout a variety of other products moving forward? Yeah. And it, it was one thing that kind of resonated with me was the fact that Vishal took a trip somewhere. Right. And that trip inspired him to do something. And so one of, one of the things, and I'll probably kind of, kind of get some, some shit for this, for saying this, but it's like, there's so many people from, you know, I'm 26. So a lot of people from my generation and even other generations that are, they're all about kind of going, leaving their home state or their hometown or their even country to go help other people in other parts of the world, which I'm not saying that that's bad at all. But it's, it, it tends to always be on the focus on them, like like leaving. I have to leave my state to go help this person in this country because they need it. Well, yet, you know, Vishal and Oni, they, they both had experiences. You know, Vishal went over there and now he's back in Connecticut kind of doing it in where he came from. Right. So it's, it's, it's again, a lot of people are going away to, to different parts of the world and um, kind of helping them and doing it, which is phenomenal. But then use that inspiration to kind of bring it back to where you you were from and where mm-hmm. your roots are, because I think that's I know that's one of the reasons why I'm definitely kind of staying in Connecticut. Granted, I want to travel and I want to see all these other places, you know. I want to, but at the same time, it's like this is where my roots are. So if I'm going to start something that can help somebody, start it where I I am or where I'm from and where you know. So okay. so that was kind of interesting to know that he went out there, went to Africa, had a great experience, really took that inspiration. And it didn't leave him when he came back. It stayed with him, and they, you know, they were able to start this. Yeah, what's great is he's bettering the lives of people not only in Connecticut but now, you know, across, oh, well, yeah. across well, the well, world. Yeah, yeah. He connects so, the dots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think you know that's amazing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and building the Connecticut ecosystem, the Connecticut entrepreneur community. I mean, it's 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 small but very tight right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of great connections. People know each other. 
um, building that out, getting to know mm-hmm. more people, getting more people interested in in being here and building their business here and using the resources that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would be a great thing. I mean, it's certainly one of the one of the thoughts behind this podcast, of course, is just just take, taking what we have here in Connecticut and building it out and connecting people to each other, letting them know there are companies like a happy life. Um, you know, I. I, I'm always very inspired every time I go in to see uh, the Happiness Lab and Vishal Anoni. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll let, you know, I mentioned it during the interview, of course, but but Vishal built out that that space himself. <laughs> yeah. He had no construction experience. <laughs> We're gonna start hiring him out, right? Uh, oh yeah, no, work. no, no. If you need carpentry work, you that, can that's, that's right. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I always love it when people they, they hit a situation. I have no money. I have no further money to do this. What can I do? And he learned a new skill set himself, and it looks fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, so it's really, uh, it's, it's just very impressive to see that kind of drive. It's a great place to be like, you know, so, uh, Dave and I met, we met up a little earlier today before we started the podcast. It's just such an awesome atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know, across the board, mm-hmm. you know, it's just such a, it's, it's a place that just fosters creativity and connections in my opinion. Uh, and it's just so welcoming other than the times when I threatened to give away uh, Game of Thrones spoilers. Then they threatened to kick me out. <laughs> but other than that, you know, it's just it's a completely different vibe than the traditional coffee shops that you know I've come across. Well, and it's attached to the Grove, right? Which is which is one of the central places of innovation here in New Haven. Right? I mean, the Grove is is a co working space, but it's also a community. They hold yeah. lots of community events. Uh, Slate Ballard, uh, the guy who who owns it and runs it, just has a lot of great inspiration. Um, and cares about the entrepreneur community and always trying to think of new ways to expand it. So, uh, I mean, perfect place for the Happiness Lab to, to be connected to. I think it's also de- interesting how they define their company sort of from the inside out. Uh, you know, it was very clear in, in talking to Vishal that happiness, happy life is devoted to making people happier. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not called, uh, you know, happy coffee company. Um, and I, I think that's important. Uh, for as the, as the company grows and, and, and evolves, you know, they can find different ways to carry out their core mission, uh, which, which isn't necessarily coffee, but, but, but creating happiness, which is somewhat of a, a nebulous definition, but I, but I think leaves a lot of room for, for future growth. You know, it's not like uh, Netflix wasn't called DVD by mail. Uh, and I think that's <laughs> some, somewhat by design, right? Uh, is, is that, you know, they're looking toward, uh, you know, for, far enough down the road, even, even perhaps, you know, beyond the horizon. Well, it's a much better marketing play than the Sadness Lab. <laughs> That's for sure. That's true. Yeah. I like the way Oni put it. You know, Vishal has a vision on how to grow this thing out. He's kind of the Neo seeing the, the matrix and the code. So, you know, he obviously has his sets far beyond the horizon. And it's, it's going to be really exciting to watch what happens. I'm also excited that they were able to do it through Kickstarter. Mm. So, yes. uh, you know, one of, one of my personal sort of pet peeves in, in the entrepreneur community and this is what i'm going to get shit for is uh <laughs> we, we each have our shit segments and this is mine um so no it's just that I, you know I, I always say i run into entrepreneurs all the time who are who who, who just start a company and the first thing they say is okay well i need financing mm-hmm. you know and the fact is is that the vast majority of companies get by without independent financing and and those who do get independent financing get small amounts. It, you know the number of VC transactions that happen in this country and the number of angel transactions that happen in this country is a percentages of a single percent of the amount of companies that are out there and seeking financing. So it's 
you know, and, and Vishal was one of those people, he built up his reputation in the community, he got to know a lot of people, he built up the base before he went to oh, yeah. Kickstarter, which is key. Oh, yeah, huge. And then, and then he got out there, and he started Kickstarter, they raised the money that they needed to raise, and they built out the process, and he's got lots of great plans, but he doesn't have to do it all at once. He knows that he can learn skills and build it a piece at a time, and know that he's achieving his vision. Um, and he's maintaining complete, you know, him and Oni maintain complete control over their, their company, their goals and ideas, and they're expressing themselves the way they want to express themselves. I mean, that's, that's the key. I'm not going to say that there aren't companies that don't need financing. There are plenty that do, and there are some ideas that need a ton. Oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're coming up with the next pharmaceutical, you're not going to do it without without <laughs> lots of cash. Ten grand, Kickstarter ten grand isn't going to do it for you. Yeah. Ten dollars, you get the <laughs> yeah. first test pill. <laughs> yeah, right. But but I mean, Mike, you understand. I mean, you're building a software company, and you've got the balance of of trying to figure out how much your company you want to retain, how much you can do it on your own while giving up as least amount of control as possible. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different paths you can go and you constantly have to kind of just sit down, take in as much information as you can and make the best decision possible moving forward. You know, it's changed quite a bit moving forward. You know, the company itself is much different than it was six months ago. And our path to, you know, the, the next stage has changed up significantly. Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with where we are. We got a, a solid product. We have a great story now and we have a vision on how to move forward. Um, I don't know if I've reached uh, Vishal level of Neo and seeing the code yet, mm-hmm. but it, it's changing up great. We're seeing great growth. And now it's time to, you know, h- how do we build this out? Is it a Kickstarter? Is it raising capital? You know, there's there's countless ways to get to that finish line. Um, what I thought was really interesting was people think Kickstarter is so simple. You know, you, you, you record a simple video. You say, OK, uh, I'll send you a bag of coffee, donate $10,000. Vishal and Oni will actually come to your house and put down bamboo floors, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever it may be. So hearing, hearing them say that, you know, it, it's, it's difficult work to get these dollars like anything, you know, you got to put your back into it. Um, you know, I thought that was pretty fascinating because I don't know too many people that have actually launched a successful, yeah. uh, Kickstarter campaign and the balancing act of, you know, do I want to raise you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Sure, that's that's a, a big goal. But if I don't hit that mark, you know, not only are we not raising a penny, but now we're kind of shamed almost in public that we couldn't achieve this goal. So it's a balancing act: how much is too much, how much is too little, um, and then and then managing that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're. Uh, I think for them, when it came to the Kickstarter, um, they did it at the right time. They, like Dave said, they had the community behind them. That was the, that's like the big thing um, when it comes to Vishal and Oni is that I saw them at their flight night in 2013, you know, saw them do it. And then and then you see them around the community again and again. I mean, they're talking to people, um, you know, talking to I probably I don't know, probably about six, seven months ago, talking to Vishal. And, you know, it was at a beer 30 kind of an event and we're just hanging out, having a beer. And he's like, you know, and I was like, why coffee? Why coffee? And he was just like, you just start with coffee. He's like, we're starting mm-hmm. with coffee and we're moving it forward. And and it. For them, you know, it's a small win. I mean, for, for them, they, I mean, every day there's a challenge being an entrepreneur, right? They, you know, they have to, you know, move money around to make things work. But it's the small wins. I mean, in my mind, getting a, a successful Kickstarter is a medium-sized to, to big win. <laughs> it's not just a small win. But, um, you know, every person that comes in for them that buys a cup of coffee is a small win. I mean, so it's just kind of keeping track and the momentum going. Um, and another thing that, that really... I'm going to always bring it back to this podcast is that the way Oni and Vishal met, you know what I'm saying? Like they were both in an accelerator program. 
uh, Oni was with something else. He wasn't with with Happy Life. They connected. They resonated. And and one of the big things is that I obviously, you know, Vishal didn't necessarily want to do this by himself. He wanted partners. He wanted people to come on. So it's one of those things where at the initial stages, sometimes you're 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 pitching to your partner to the next person that's coming on that can compliment you and really help you kind of bring the brand where you want to bring it and and they work so well together it, i mean it's a, it's a back and forth yeah. and when you see them out i mean it's, it's just great so. we see it all the time there's you know a lot of companies especially very early stage companies are looking for the right partners yep. you know someone may have an idea and they need a software developer somebody needs somebody with marketing experience business experience and they go to all these events and what they're looking for are the right people to help achieve their goals and it's and great it's not even necessarily about money it's, it's yeah. you got to find the people and and they did it uh I don't know what else I can say other than the fact that these guys always impress the hell out of me. Always such a great attitude. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things, I guess the last thing that I'll, that, that I'll contribute is that I always see usually, frankly, two different kinds of entrepreneurs, right? There, there's always lots of great ideas, but there's certain people with a personality to really push it and make it happen. And and I never, I'm not going to say I'm a pro judge of character. I never know who those people are going to be mm-hmm. at first, right? You kind of have to see how they react under the pressure and what they develop into. And they have to be willing to accept failure and yep. and, and take that and move on. Um, but but there are certain people who just keep, they just never stop. They just keep pushing. They have an idea. They see the vision. And they keep going until some portion of that vision is realized. Um, that's for sure. I, I think that comes down to passion. You know, it, the best part of being an entrepreneur, in my opinion, is following the passion. You know, following the 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 interest the thing that keeps me moving forward you know if something excites me if something intrigues me and i figure out a way hey man you could actually turn this into a business you can move forward and if you're that passionate about it it's just you just want to keep going there there is no stopping and i think vishal and oni have totally demonstrated that you know they are truly passionate about what they're working on and you know the nine to five grind doesn't exist you know this is the 24 7 yeah it's definitely not the nine to five yeah i mean what time do they open <laughs> 7 a.m <laughs> close at 7 p.m yeah, so seven, yeah. seven to seven grind yeah seven to seven grind with a little carpentry work at the end of the night that's right yeah, so. yeah it's great to see them de- depart i mean connecticut has is a place that has great schools there's no shortage of of, of talent and and there's no shortage of, of opportunities for you know would you, would be entrepreneurs to find kind of safer avenues i think you know, uh, from a very young age, people are, uh, I mean, starting high school, you know, getting into the right college. And once you're in the right college, it's, its you know, getting the right job. And I think, you know, a lot of people take the safe route. They go into something uh, like traditional business or medicine or finance or law. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're individuals who may have never failed once in their life. So to see uh, individuals who are just as talented, have that same type of pedigree and come out and, and take a risk. Uh, I think it it, it, it speaks to uh, something much more creative than I think you, you, we've traditionally seen. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, really has the possibility to bear a lot of fruit. Yeah. Guys, I think we're wrapping up on time. Any last thoughts? Um, so, yeah, if you if you need some co-working space, if you need some uh, place to meet somebody, uh, like for me, it's actually, you know, Hartford, New Haven are good, like, meeting points. Um, if you're going to need somebody, please go check out the Happiness uh, Lab. Uh, let us know how you, how you think about it, and um, yeah, just, don't uh, go to Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. and, don't, yo, go to- don't go to Dunkin' Donuts. It's like right next door. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, come on, come on down. Check out Happy Labs. It's it's a lot of fun down there, and and they have great coffee. That's that's it's as simple as that. And make sure you say hi to owner or Vishal while you're there. They're gonna be there. Yeah, it will be. Thanks a lot. All right, have a good one, guys.
You've just listened to the CT Startup Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or check out our webpage at ctstartup.com where you can find all our social media links. And please, please leave us your feedback. Special thanks to our production team, Kate Rupart, Dylan Gilliatt, and Evan Dopus, as well as our equipment and marketing sponsor, Mirtha Kalina, LLP.